Drinks and Driveways, presented by Rick Solid Brands. I'm your host, Andrew. You can call me Uncle Andy. And before we jump into this episode, I want to say I apologize for the last couple weeks not getting an episode out. I am my kindergartner's Little League coach pitch coach, and the last two weeks have been uh, me just trying to figure out what I'm even doing. So that's where my focus has been, but we're back at it with my main man, my man, Mr. Nick Squeery with Westside Brewing. Nick, thanks for joining us. Uh, it's my pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, so I reached out to Nick, um, I don't know, four days ago, like randomly at night. And I was like, hey, would you like to join my, my podcast? Kind of talk about, you know, your role here at Westside Brewing, where you're going, where you come from. And uh, he, he graciously agreed. So thanks so much, man. Thanks for your time. No, it's my pleasure. I hope uh, <laughs> anybody finds it interesting. Right, right. So he is, Nick, you are a fellow Elder Panther. Mm-hmm. Yeah, represent Altiora. What year did you graduate? Uh, I was a class of 07. 07, okay. So I was 05, so we were at Elder at the same time, but and I graduated with your brother, mm-hmm. Fred. Yeah. So, 05. And, um, you know, what did you do after college? You go, or after Elder, did you go to college? I, w- I went to UC. Um, like a lot of kids, I went in probably too certain uh, uh, on a surface level of what I wanted to do um, and quickly realized that. Uh, I was mistaken. Yeah. I went in uh, looking to do physical therapy, and um, so a lot of pre-med to start. Uh, As soon as I hit organic chem, I was like, "Eh, maybe this isn't what my brain is built for. (laughs) And uh, switched around, um, ended up a little bit actually in dietetics, which is what uh, inspired me to check out culinary. There was a, uh, you know, just being interested in diet and, you know, how it affects your body and everything like that. And there was a study about different types of cooking and what it does uh, to like micronutrients. And so I was curious about like, you know, if you're out at a restaurant and you get something uh, cooked a certain way, I really wanted to know more about. Like what goes into that food? Yeah, yeah. So like if if something is, you know, ceviche, if something is done ceviche, if something is seared, if something is, uh, you know, boiled, it all changes the nutrient retention. So, you know, that was originally the impetus that that got me into doing like a kind of like a culinary apprenticeship out out east you know and then i just actually fell in love with um uh with cooking and hospitality and then that's kind of what sent me down this road so i saw uh because i did like a you know brief little deep dive before we we did this episode where you were the uc cheerleader i was yeah how did how so did you do that at elder like Uh, cheer squad or anything like how does one get into that no i did actually a lot of sports and i was adequate at best at most of them yeah. but um uh no I, I i mean ultimately against how competitive the other students are at elder i was never really i would put myself in the class of any starter yeah and um i mostly did like i did football yeah. my uh for three years at elder i didn't do my my freshman year for good reason i came in about i don't know five foot Two, but 110 pounds. We had guys coming in freshman year that were like six two, like right. 190, and you're like, yeah. I, you I, you'll pancake me. Did you wrestle? I did. Yeah. I did for a little bit, but I, um, uh, I, I, I probably approach things too much like sprint when you should walk, kind of like stuff like that. So I threw myself in a lot. Uh, Grades so started dropping. Balls to the wall type of stuff. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, next thing you know, your parents are like, Yeah, you know what, you're. You're getting a lot better at wrestling, but your grades are starting to drop, so you're done. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, and that's, I mean, that'll come into play later on in the conversation about work-life balance, anything that you do. Right. Um, and that's something that's, you know, plagued my life just from a standpoint of, like, throwing yourself into something and kind of blocking out the rest of the world, which does help you succeed in some ways, but you got to... Yeah, it's balance. You gotta, yeah, you got to 
find that balance. Absolutely. So yeah. did you just like, is there like a tri- tryouts for the UC cheer squad or like how does, how do you even know about that much less? Cause is that a scholarship? Do you get paid to do that or? Uh, so uh, when I was on the team, uh, it was before they had, it had become fully NCAA regulated. Okay. It was listed as a spirit squad, I think back then. Okay. Um, so I went in my freshman and sophomore year and was just a student. Yeah. I had become friends with some cheerleaders and I was actually seeing a gal on the team. We lived in the same uh, area and we started dating. Uh, they had lost a lot of guys for their co-ed squad beforehand. And I was very physically active. I was, you know, Maintained a lot of exercises. Which is um, ironic, because normally people get to college and we put that freshman 15 pound, this f- freshman 15 on. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I did, but not in not in the way of beer and all that. But, you know, I partied plenty. They were just short people. I had no experience at all. <laughs> just um, lift, I had no lift, business lift, lift being there. Lift ladies up on the, uh, as they do their cheers. Well, well <laughs> the, the, the other cheerleaders were pretty confident they could teach anybody what to do. And... Yeah, they were kind of right in my case. Right. Um, so, yeah, so they were just shorthanded and asked me if I wanted to try out. And I was like, sure. Yeah. I mean, like when you pose a question, like you want to learn how to do a backflip from a standing position? I'd be like, yeah, that sounds dope. I'd love to try. <laughs> that ended up leading into a few uh, crazy experiences where I ended up getting injured in the learning phase. Oh, wow. Like I think it was like my first week of learning how to do a backflip. And, uh, you know, you get cocky and then I was in the middle of doing a backflip and freaked out and sprawled. And when you <laughs> expand your body in the middle of a backtack, you stop rotating. Right. And in this case, I landed straight on my neck. And uh, I probably freaked out uh, and didn't need the ambulance uh, so much. But an ambulance was called. Yeah. Uh, they come down on Shakely. They pick me up, uh, take me to the hospital. I'm in a neck brace for a few days. I'm fine. Just like a, I have a pinched nerve. What right. have you, you know, your arm starts to tingle. You're like, oh gosh, should I paralyze myself? <laughs> yeah. No, but you're, you're eight, you're like, uh, at the, I guess at the time I was 19. So I, I definitely freaked out because I, I mean, I hadn't had a stinger since football practice. I did something similar. I, I don't know what it was called. It was like, I don't know, beach body. It was where you like watch these TV or these videos and while you're doing this stuff at home. And I had these bands <laughs> over the door and I was doing like, uh, what would they call it? Like chest, like uh, back. Rose. Rose, yeah. yeah. And the, the band slipped off the door and the rubber band hit me straight in my eye. And uh, I couldn't see out of my left eye for about 25 minutes. I freaked out. I thought, oh, yeah. I, I, thought I went blind. <laughs> and it started coming back and then my like eyelid had blood in it. So anytime that for like the last, for the next two weeks, anytime I'd bend over, the blood would go over my like cornea or whatever. Oh, and so then I, I like barely could see. That was like yeah. similar to you. You're I, like, I, oh I, man, I really messed up this time. I can't <laughs> even handle it when people touch their eyeball you know what i mean like putting it in context i'm just like oh god well, yeah, what a, what a story man that you're oh, you get to be a uc cheerleader it does have a fun end to that particular incident i'm in class in a neck brace and like i'm not a very large guy i'm five nine uh so no one expects you to be like an athlete so you're in class and uh i just hear people talking like it was like no i no i just heard people about the incident not knowing it was me uh. and they're like <laughs> Oh, did you hear about that cheerleader guy, like out on Shakely? Yeah, no, the ambulance came. Yeah, no, I heard he died. Like, you know, like, or like whatever, uh, you know, horrible outcome. And I'm just sitting there in the back, just listening, and I'm just like, yeah, no, I heard he's gonna be okay. Uh, like, yeah, he's just sitting. He's just I got think an he's, I think he's gonna be 
<laughs> he's gonna recover not too long. <laughs> so you so you leave UC. Where do you go next? Um, so uh, I, I leave UC. It, this is actually I got the opportunity because like like a lot of people, college I couldn't quite nail down exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah, you and graduate with whatever degree, and you're like I don't know what to do. I, I didn't even. Didn't oh even really? Graduate. You left I was in my third year, and um, like, this isn't for me. Well, it was it was funny. It was like I was gonna take a little bit of time off, do this apprenticeship. Yeah. Out in New Hampshire, and so I went out to see what it was like. Fell in love um, with cooking and culinary, and 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 that world. It was new to me, and it was, you know, it was uh, it was challenging, and there was no shortage of knowledge and and and, and stuff to find. Mm-hmm. That I ended up just going for that, stuck with it, and never walked away. How long you know? were you at that apprenticeship? Oh, not. I, I mean, about a year. Did you learn like everything you needed to know, and then you could move on to something else, or? I think I learned enough of a foundation to grow from there. I like, I became, I guess, hireable. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I entertained going to like Johnson and Wales and stuff like that, but their out of state tuition is like 22,000. I, I don't know if it was a semester or a year, but it was just to learn how to it, cook maybe a, uh, for a two year degree. And wow. that has a, uh, at the time, like a very low return on investment. Yeah. And so it was, it was hard for me to do that. But at the same time, I had a lot of, uh, chefs that worked around me that would say that, you know, getting experience by, doing it is actually just as if not more beneficial um in 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 their mind but they were all coming with degrees so (laughs) right (laughs) so you so you while you're i guess at college and were you always kind of in hospitality like working at restaurants or you know you just you left college with that experience went to get that internship and that's kind of how you got your foot in the door in the hospitality yeah yeah i mean there was a um like a family friend who worked at that establishment who kind of set it all up for me because obviously i wouldn't have looked that far away you know out the gate I say um, that my, my wife in college, actually yeah, in college, she was a waitress at Skyline mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, she, she would make $200 on tips in like an hour and a half at lunch and she, it was awesome. It was easy and she always said like, you know, I think everybody should work in hospitality at least once just to see like you would appreciate your waitresses and your waiters and, and I never worked in hospitality. I never, you know, I, I only heard it from her point of view. What are your what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think absolutely should be mandatory? Two months stint for every American citizen. Yeah, <laughs> um, there's there is nothing more humbling than you know and empowering with with being in that position because you will be treated wonderfully and uh, and terribly uh, all in a shift. Yeah, and it's like no matter how hard you try, you're always going to be disappointing somebody. Like somebody's going to find something wrong with something you did. Well, it's not so much that as it is like you know. Uh, it's it's interacting with with strangers, uh, solving or, or coming up with solutions, and then you'll have people who are who who can be rude or you know don't tip or uh, anything like that. Make sure you tip your staff, everybody. Um, but I think that it's one of those ones where you you have to understand like the inner workings of a machine to understand you know your experience. So when you're out at a restaurant and you know what they're going through and you know how how much you know, effort and how much chaos is going on. And there's people who, you know, get insanely good at this where they have that internal checklist where they know their next five steps and can adapt that list in their head so quickly. But like the understanding of that definitely helps make for better customers and better customers actually have better experiences because they, their understanding, it belays that uh, frustration that comes with not knowing what's going on. Like, why is this a problem? Why is this happening? Why is my food not here yet? Yeah, um, and, because we have we're short staffed because yeah, somebody's on maternity leave or you, you know, can whatever. and you can look around and be like they're in the weeds like you know you know maybe 
you know, maybe they're new, maybe they're, uh, you know, having a bad day. Because a lot of people, you know, you can, you know, you can be in a bad headspace and it's hard to focus on what you're doing. Yeah. And that level of understanding that this is a human, it's a server, not a servant. Uh, making sure that people know what that's like, I think it kind of would I th- help, I think, help people in, in almost any interaction in their life. Like whether they're going to a mechanic shop and like things are rough in there right. or like, you know, you're just anything. I yeah, mean, well, you, like the guy this, that works behind the computer, like if he's having a bad day, nobody knows because he can just sit there on his computer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like if, if a waitress is having a bad day and then they hit, she's got like 10 people yelling at her. It's yeah. just, it's hard. I, I've never done it, but I respect those people that, that can. Yeah, you can be you can be overwhelmed and when you are experienced enough in it, you become immune to it. Like you get this uh, level of calm. Like right. you can you can control that, that frenzy in your head. And... Like me, I when I first started serving, like I had so much anxiety about my very first table that I would like, I kind of gave myself a pep talk in the bathroom, like you can do this, you know, you know, with all the menu items, and then like I was like nervous and shaking, red in the face, and then like it was just to like say hi, welcome right. to you know, blah blah blah, and um, and then like me, I had pretty severe social anxiety at at several points in my life, and that was a huge way for me to overcome that, yeah. and uh, you know, and it. And it, and it so I think that in any standpoint, uh, it, it can help people grow as a person, and I think for the better. It's hard to say, like, because it's one of those things where you're like, you're in it too long, you can end up getting into some bad habits, and, right. and you know. Especially, like, I was always thinking, like, bartenders, like, you, you go to bed late because you're up all night, and then you're sleeping in late, and then, you know, it's like... If I don't really have to be at work until 5 o'clock, you know, it's, I feel like it's got to be, you got to have a lot of personal fortitude or whatever to say, okay, I'm not going to sleep my day away. I'm going to get up. I'm going to like continue on life and then I'll go to work as opposed to just sleeping, working, sleeping, working. I feel like that's an easy kind of, kind of train. So how did you get to Queen City Exchange? Um, How did that play? Because those guys are elder guys that started that, right? Or at least part of them are. I guess it was kind of like a a series of serendipitous events. I was working in the industry. I uh, managed a few restaurants. I've done bartending. I've done you know, kitchen work, you name yeah. it. And I guess my name came up in conversation when they were planning on, you know, getting something together. Did you graduate with them? Are they, aren't they around the uh, same age? Uh, Pat, Pat was. Yeah. And uh, I guess Nick, Nick, and Adam were uh, a few years below me. Yeah. Um, I think they were nine. But yeah, no, so it was funny. It was actually um, Pat and I uh, were in talks briefly about starting my own place, and I just couldn't get the capital together to... Um, to get that concept off the ground. And uh, and I also wasn't very sure. Like, it was one of those ones where it's like, I'm not, I mean, I was questioning, like, do I have enough experience to get this together? And and that's something that comes with time and and, and seeking those positions yeah. of, uh, of management and this, that, and the other to, I guess, you know, put into your internal, you know, resume of what you're capable of. Because you have to sell yourself on it. Like, if you're not confident on starting something, like, you should consider, you know, seeking that knowledge before you do. Absolutely. And so I'm actually glad that that didn't work out. And funny enough, some months later, they were planning on opening up their own place. They thought of me. Um, and at the time, I was at Incline. And, Incline uh, Public House? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever work with Flo, Florence Carter? Oh, yes. Yeah, Flo is the best. I went to college with her. She's awesome. I'm trying to get her on my pop- podcast. I uh, oh, Every sh- time I see her, I'm like, man, what's up, Flo? I, I would listen to that episode. Flo <laughs> is a dream. Flo, if you ever hear this, uh, oh, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll give her a shout out, man. <laughs> I had... I, one of my favorite stories I was telling my wife this in college she had a place on campus and I, were, I I lived at home my freshman year we and I had like a night class so I would get off 
at like five o'clock and I had, I'd have to like sit around campus for three hours before my night class started. And I joined a fraternity. She hung out with the people in the fraternity. I ended up just kind of like stopping by her place every once in a while. And there would be handfuls of time I'd stop in her dorm room. She's sitting there on the couch with Picardi and Reyes watching Oprah. Like, <laughs> like just getting, just getting turned up on like a Tuesday. Honestly, I think that's an excellent way to relax. No, I'm like, I mean, like, I mean, it was just a two liter of, of like Sprite and like Bacardi Reyes. It was hilarious. I mean, but yeah, no, so Incline Public House is great though. I didn't know that you worked there. Yeah, I did. I did. And, um, uh, actually Flo and I kind of started around the same time. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So they, they reached out to me and, uh, you know, I, I was you know eager and excited, uh, to jump the opportunity. I got to be involved. Uh, and stuff. To a small degree, like the, the the four gentlemen that started that place are incredibly capable people, and so like they basically had everything together. I was there to like, you know, just help out, um, get a yeah, get a few um, pieces together based on my experience that might have been you know some questions that they would have, and then just general you know assistance here, assistance there, and then when it opened. Um, you know, I was with Pat, uh, very instrumental in the hiring of the rest of the staff. And yeah, so uh, we opened that up. I had been with them for some years. We, we worked uh, uh, really hard, got some acclaim, won some awards. And for those that are listening that have never been to Queen City Exchange, I think it's one of the most unique places because of the, what is it, where if you say you're, it works like the stock exchange, right? Yeah, so it's a, it, 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 loosely, it, it's basically a stock, uh, stock market-themed uh, pricing structure for the drafts. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you can program it to put whatever item on there. Yeah. But um, basically, when something is bought, it's traded against a group of uh, similar beers. Yeah. And when it goes up, other ones go down. And it's like 50 cents up, 25 cents down. Right. And it creates this dynamic. Like everybody you know, in the bar is drinking Miller Lite. Miller Lite's prices skyrocket. Then Blue Moon drops. Everybody switches that. Then it's Blue Moon. Like it's just kind of cool to go up and down, up and down. And then they have the, what is it, like market crash where everything just goes to like flat lines. Everything would drop 30, I think it was 30% from wherever it was. Did they come up with that concept or was that like a concept for in a different market? So there, there's a few... Um, I think there was one in Michigan, uh, one overseas, and I think the uh, West Coast. I'm not exactly sure where all it was populated beforehand, but we were pretty, you know, we, I think it was single, maybe double digits uh, on places that use that same software. Unique. And um, we were definitely the only in, in Cincy. And uh, it became a really fun you know, experience for the customers. And it was yeah. also like from an internal standpoint. It's almost a like a game, like almost yeah. like gambling and drinking at the same time. Like anything that's not, that's unique mm-hmm. and that gets people to come in at least check it out. Oh yeah. And it was, it was fun because like you could even, you know, influence a, a market crash by like, I guess putting in a command. And uh, when that happened, like you could control service because everybody would come up, make their orders, say like you needed to restock a bunch of stuff. Yeah. You get everybody their next drink already ready. So now everybody got their drink at roughly the same time. They're all going to drink it at different paces. But that buys you at least five minutes to get ice, to get, you know, restocked, to do all that stuff. So it was a, it was a cool way from a management standpoint. Oh, to, yeah. That's something like I would never even think of where you're thinking yeah. of, you know, you're just prices are changing here and there. You're like, I'm going to change these prices so that I can switch out this keg. Like there's mm-hmm. a science and reasons behind it. And I think to your point, what you're talking about earlier is like the everyday person just comes to an establishment and they just sit down and they just want to have a good time they don't they don't see the inner workings of yeah. why things are, are like that yeah and and but it, you know and it's and it's also like because every restaurant every bar every every establishment is its own uh unique yeah. you know uh place 
where you know when you're working in one or managing one, you start to you know understand the flow. Uh, when you get business, when you get uh, absolutely smacked, when it's dead. Right. Um, and you kind of can control that pacing, like, in your head. So you know, like, in the next 15 minutes, I'm going to have an opportunity to take care of those things that I need to know. And that yeah. just kind of comes from, you know, just experience, just doing it. Right. And, and um, it's experience. Yeah. And, and when you recognize patterns, uh, which is a strength I would recommend a lot of people have in that industry, because it's it's so nonstop. Like, yeah. there is no, like, uh, scheduled yeah. break, you know? And then... <laughs> That's like why eat this, eat this chicken sandwich like in the two seconds you got before they come back up. Oh yeah, I would live on like protein shakes and stuff like that. Yeah. Like I would do a protein shake and a smoothie, and I'd just inhale it and <laughs> just to like get back out there. Um, but yeah, no, I mean it's uh, you know that was a, a wonderful experience. We were actually the first bar to carry Westside on draft. Really? Mm-hmm. So how do you get? Because I know you came from here, from there to Westside, right? Yeah, yeah. So before we get into that, let's take two seconds. If you guys are liking this podcast, follow us on Instagram, Facebook. You can find our episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. We upload our episodes to our website every single week. Give us a like, subscribe, tell your friends. But now that that's over. So you're leaving, you leave Queen City Exchange. Come here. How did that work? Like, did the West Side reach out to you? Or were you just entertaining offers or maybe looking for like a new challenge, something different? Um, they definitely, you know, approached me about it. I think that it was kind of funny how it all went down. Um, so, like back when we carried uh, uh, West Side, I think it was, I think it was even, it was Joe, the CEO, who uh, sold it, delivered it, yeah, and uh, and, and all that. Um, it was a, it was a meager crew back in the day. Man. Yeah, and then um, uh, Zach, uh, one of our sales reps, uh, wonderful sales rep, was working for me at the time, and various other places he's a real uh every man he can do it all yeah he applied for a sales rep job uh here and uh joe you know called me as a reference and uh of course i said you know he's, a, he's gonna be a natural and he is what was zach doing before that how did he put you down as a reference uh, i mean he was I, I can't speak for everything zach was doing but f- uh for me he was he was working behind the bar oh okay and like um, he's he's done everything right. um you know and i i'll leave that for if you ever get a chance to interview yeah. him golf teacher yeah no yeah he's, he's a he's a coach you know for a, a local school and um he um so he got uh, brought in here um uh they called me for reference on ben who's an absolute uh amazing uh sales rep as well and um i guess you know we had gotten some awards i had gotten qc i think ended up with i think it was like number two best overall bar or something like that. We had a really good happy hour that we got awards for. Um, staff, we got one year, which I was really, really proud of. Cause that's, cause I, I had got best bartender uh, in like is City Beat Magazine, which yeah. is like a, a, a reader's choice, one of those vote in ones. And you know, I'm, I'm honored about every award that uh, people voted for and even though i've won those awards i want to say that you know a lot of that is is opportunity exposure stuff like that like there's if you're looking at like craft cocktail people people with just pure beer knowledge like i i'm sure there's you know hundreds of people in the city who in those same years who outclassed me in so many ways so i would say you know from a humble standpoint you know I'm, i'm honored that i was given those awards and there's people all over the city who are amazing at what they do and they don't deserve an award too. Right. Um, I think that the one that made me the most proud had to have been uh, staff because like those are the people, you know, it's like your family. Like if, yeah. if everybody, you know, as an overall ranking gets, you know, recognized, like that makes you really happy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and when you're managing, that's like, that means that we picked 
the right people. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so those things really, I guess, at least put me on the radar enough to where uh, they reached out. I decided to join here. You know, I had a kid on the way, and um, it was going to be like kind of a you know an exploration into a new field, um, expand my resume, and uh, it was like one of the few things in this industry that I hadn't done. Mm-hmm. Um, doing like you know, uh, just a kitchen in front of the house, to like a bar with. Yeah, and and like there was the there's the taproom element here, and then there's um uh you know production and distribution, which is things I I was uh you know very new to. I had been a buyer. I had been you know on the other side of things. Uh, you know they showed interest in in me. Um, it was an amazing learning experience working here. Uh, for those of you who haven't visited Westside, you got to because like the the people here are amazing. It's some of the finest brew around. Yeah, so, and I mentioned, and I don't know if I've even told you, like, our, our podcast is content that's relative, relevant to people that are probably in their 30s, 40s. They have little kids, but they also like to have fun. We come to Westside's our favorite brewery, not just because I have a connection here, but because of the, what you said, like, the people are so friendly, the space is great, the kids can kind of, you know, I wouldn't say roam, because, you know, you got to be responsible for your kids, but you don't have to worry that your kids are, like, ruining someone's you know, two hundred dollar dinner when they come out for date night. I would. I mean, yeah. No, you definitely. You definitely. That's a factor. I, I feel like uh, it's definitely one of those things where, just as a parent, and now also as someone who is, you know, a veteran of this industry, I would say, you know, it is always good practice to make sure that you know where your kids are. At all oh, times, absolutely. You know? And um, <laughs> because like the the opposite can happen, and it can get a little crazy. Yeah. So yeah, you have um, to be responsible of your kids. Yeah. But if you are a brewery, is especially in the winter time when the kids can't get outside and you're just like they're just driving you crazy, a brewery is such a great place to, to bring them, let them relax. You can have a beer, and uh, you know I highly recommend it. So I don't even know if I told like how I even got my connection with Westside. So like about six months before they started, I saw an article or something like, oh Westside Brewing's coming to Westside or Westwood. And I just sent him a Facebook message and was like, I'm a graphic designer, digital marketer. I don't know if you guys need any help, but I'd love to be involved. And uh, Brian at the time, he responded like, man, we don't have any budget for this, but you know, we, it is stuff we need help with. And I was like, dude, I'll do it for free. Like, I want to do it for free just because I want to be involved. It looks, it, it's so cool. And it's been awesome to see like how like small we were at the very beginning. And I say we, like, I, I don't have any ownership. I just feel like I've been around forever that it's like a part of my life now my friends think like oh like what's going on with this or you know they should really do this like i love when people ask me like hey is Westside going to do this i'm like i don't know like i just like, i'm just a contractor that does all their cans and their design work but mm-hmm. they've grown they added like one i think they added a salesperson before you came then they had a tapper manager he left and then you came on you said you've been here for what 17 months or so uh yeah right around there yeah yeah i and think you, i started october 11th 2019 and what a you know wild whirlwind of the seventeen months you've had. <laughs> yeah, no, um, coming in, uh, you know, with everything that you know, none of us knew was on the horizon. Right. Uh, was uh, a real trial by fire. Been here for some months, and uh, then COVID happens, and you know, you do everything you can to prepare for this giant question mark that yeah. remained a question mark for, I guess, a good little while there. Because it was just like wash your hands a bunch, and then it was, yeah. you know, this, that, and the other. And then it was shutdowns, and oh, I know. It, and we have like a company Slack thing that we always talk back and forth throughout the day, and and uh, I don't know. We were all talking, and I was like, I was like, Adam, like I think they're shutting everything down like tomorrow. And it was just, you know, I think it was. And we talked to uh, 
the guy from Rebel Metal and some of these other small businesses, like they, everybody, the way they adapt, adapt it like so quickly. It was mm-hmm. like, okay, right now we need to change our website so we can sell stuff online. I remember there was, do you remember there was a conversation where we were going to put beer in trucks and we were going to go to cor- uh, <laughs> corners on like the road and try to sell beer out of our, uh, out of the vans? Um. <laughs> <laughs> we were looking for like intersections that were high traffic that we could just put a, a beer uh, van out there and try to sell it like out of there because we were scrambling. Yeah, I mean, like, some of the first things that, that we explored was uh, communication with other breweries, especially our size. I remember early on when when the shutdown first happened, and that was a, that was a, a rough bit. We, we had to furlough, uh, I, guess, I don't know, 80%, 90% of, our, of, of the people who worked here. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure that was tough. Yeah, no, that's not a, that's not a day you want to come in to work for. It was a very uh, solemn occasion, uh, uh, occasion, you know, just having to explain that and, and encourage them. I, I didn't know. I mean, this is right when like everyone was like flooding into the, the supermarkets, cleaning out yeah. like, like non-perishables. Um, you know, I was trying to like, uh, get my hands on a bunch of like rice and beans. I didn't know what the heck was <laughs> yeah, going on. Yeah, you know, you don't know what the heck's going yeah, on. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I was worried about, you know, the staff and, you know, what they could expect from, you know, unemployment, what they could expect expect from that because it was before they added in the you know the added uh, uh, funds or whatever a week or yeah and so like you know you're worried because a lot of these people working on tip wage and stuff like that you got to worry about like trackable income what they can actually receive as a benefit from that you know we were looking at uh, GoFundMe's Um, I mean it was it was hard because we were also worried about the business's uh, livelihood Um, because like a lot lot of people realize how dramatic the profit margins are between uh, like taproom and um, and like buying something in package because you'll have you'll get three pints here in uh, in the brewery to get the same amount of direct profit net profit um, it's like almost two cases right like that's 48 something I never realized like from the outsider's perspective I was like, Joe, like, let's just focus on distribution and just like go into every single place. And he's like, oh, same thing you just said. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't cost us. I mean, I think of what, like a can, a can of beer is like, a, it costs a dollar just to make that can or something like, something crazy like that. I mean, the packaging cost and the aluminum. And- yeah, you have, you have packaging, you have like, uh, I mean, at the time we were using uh, the shrink wrap and we had already been exploring like moving away from that because it, there's more like, thank god we did that before man that was a blessing that right. we had those labels in where we could churn out the, the go draft. from a six week lead time on getting all the uh, uh all, the, all the cans and all that stuff in um and then down to two weeks um some cost savings and it's uh you know more eco-friendly right. with uh you know the shrink wrap is not as recyclable and then you have uh, the new setup that we have with the stickers and the bright cans that's a lot more uh, environmentally friendly so like uh, it was a it was a win-win and then uh, you know it came at just the right time but um, having a shift you know all of your production from uh, you know a split of draft and, and and cans and then you know positioning all that to pretty heavy uh, almost straight. almost all of it in the in a package and we were delivering to people's houses I mean we, we went down to I, I think maybe five employees in total uh including myself and another manager and everybody uh the owners pitched in a ton they worked their butts off uh colin brewed his head off like everybody worked their butts off to get us through that but yeah no there's that um there's that crisis mode that you feel of like you know uh we got to make the ends meet here you know we gotta you know is this more is this more beneficial to keep everybody on and keep fighting 
uh, or just versus shutting it down, write it out. you know, and, and the fiscal benefit was almost, you know, uh, nothing, but you're, but you, by staying active, you stay in everyone's, you know, minds, yeah. you stay, uh, moving through product, you are also I, ready to produce. One thing that stuck with me with Joe was like, which totally makes complete sense was like in times of like trouble or like pandemics or well, not pandemics, but times of people, alcohol, like alcohol is a thing people drink a lot of. Like, mm-hmm. And so, you know, having the, the ability to have that in the shelves, at least we were distributing at that time. If we weren't canning at that time, I don't know. It's shocking to me that some of the breweries that didn't distribute are still, that you know, they made it through. Yeah, yeah, you know, and a testament to them. Like, like uh, I remember when it first happened, uh, everybody kind of like got on, uh, you know, Zoom calls or uh, whatever, uh, you know, app we were using at the time. Um, Zoom had just kind of like got on everybody's radar. But yeah. I remember when we we would reach out uh, to other breweries, we'd have big uh, calls with like the heads of, you know, brewery A, B, C, D. You know, sometimes even eleven at a time, and we'd all discuss, you know, strategies. Uh, issues we'd have people we'd even help each other out uh, give okay. each other yeah i mean it was i didn't know that that's cool so like all like you're saying like almost like godfather like all the like heads of the breweries in cincinnati would like have these calls i don't talk about like i don't yeah i don't i don't know if mob that's, bosses I, I think it was kind of more like put it more along the lines of like you know we're all in crisis and you know competitors became friends and you all kind of like you know how are we going to get through this and you all you know, you know, cared about making those right moves, and there was no one withholding things. There was no one, you know, uh, playing things close to the chest. We were all trying to get through it. And so yeah. this open market of ideas, it, it, I think it, it it was it was a real kind of uh, a humbling moment because it made you realize that, like, you know, when the chips, uh, you know, fall in a bad way, you gotta, you know, it's exciting to see, you know, how we can come together as a yeah. people. It's exactly then, what that guy from Rebel Metal, Michael Brown, he was like, the Cincinnati craft beer community is very, you know, you would think that they're very competitive and, like, they want to kind of eat each other up, but it's mm-hmm. it's very, you know, there's togetherness and everybody kind of shares ideas. And yeah, I, I mean... It's a community. I, yeah, and I think that we all kind of saw that we were, like, we were facing a complete unknown and we would be stronger together mm-hmm. than apart. And I think that it wasn't necessarily said and it wasn't necessarily announced that way. It just kind of was this overlaying like instinct that we all kind of had. And it was nice. Um, and I just I can't send uh, enough love to every brewery in this city that, that fought their butts off, yeah. uh, you know, to stay open. What do you think, you know, now that we're kind of coming maybe towards the tail end of that, is things looking brighter now? You know, business oh. in the tap room picked up. People got vaccines. They're more likely to go out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I mean, definitely uh, you see it in the numbers. You see it in the people coming out. You see it in, in businesses reopening. Um, you know, one of the funny things is, uh, you know, uh, you know, there's some side effects to this, too. Um, a lot of the people who, you know, struggled through this, who were in the industry, um, there's like a deficit, you know, like a real big deficit in people that are, you know, looking for work in restaurants, hospitality, you know, all that stuff after all this. And yeah. I think that part of it was due to like, you know, how hard this was on them, uh, losing their jobs and yeah. those not being opened, having tons of rules and restrictions. Um, cause you can't necessarily bartend from home. Right. I mean, you can get creative, I suppose, but, um, <laughs> my wife would go on like zoom, like zoom happy hours and it'd be like four. I mean, she got more drunk on zoom happy hours than <laughs> coming to actual bars. You don't got to worry about driving. <laughs> right. Um, uh, yeah, no. So, um, you know, so it was, it was one of those things where it's like, I actually see a lot of, uh, people who I know in the industry, like 
search through, you know, search for work in other fields. And, you know, you see people leaving for like IT, for mm-hmm. real estate, for this, that, and the other. And yeah, there's just not a lot of people willing. And I think another part of that is like, you know, and, and this is obviously a subject matter I don't want to do a deep dive in, but um, like how this global issue could have become so politicized and polarizing that it was frustrating um, that, you know, it got to a point where people were, um, you know, like we're working and trying to make the best of it, you know, in the hospitality industry, not just here, but anywhere. And people would be, and you've seen it, you've seen it on, on, on the news, on, on YouTube videos, on, you know, this, that, and the other, where people can treat the staff who's just trying to, you know, remind or enforce oh, like state mandates. Stuff, yeah. And it's not masks, it's all kinds of stuff. And, and it's like, no one's really wanting to wear a mask their whole life. Like <laughs> right. no one's enjoying their time here uh, of, of, like, of like doing all these things, but we have to for public safety, yeah. you know, cause I, I firmly believe in, in making sure that we're all safe, you know, and, and yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna cost me a minor inconvenience, but if, it, if that keeps you or your grandmother or myself or my family, you know, somebody, you know, safe, mm-hmm. then you better believe I'm gonna do it. Right. And, and so like, when someone's like asked to wear, you know, a mask or to, you know, uh, maintain spacing or something like that, it is inconvenient and it's confusing and you might even feel a little embarrassed about it and that might make you want to react. Yeah. But like, we're adults here, you know, and, and sometimes people can be quite rude, like, you know, like pulling down their mask and like coughing on people as they're getting kicked out, like, yeah. like all this stuff. And if you think about these experiences, like we, like I've even seen it where people have gotten like almost physically hostile. <laughs> And it's one of those ones where you... Such a polarizing topic. Yeah, and, and you know what? I don't care how you feel, but that's not how you handle yourself. And and I think that interactions like that burn out, already burn out people from this pandemic who are working in the hospitality industry. And who in the right mind, uh, if you have enough of those experiences after everything you went through, are going to want to stay in this industry. Right. You know, and I think that that's one of those things that like breaks my heart entirely because I do love this industry. And I think that there's... <laughs> Like it's rewarding, and I think that it's a you know it's a great way for a lot of people to make the extra money they need to survive. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it I find that to be the most disheartening thing because like the staff is not your enemy. Your person next to you is not your enemy. We're all in this together. You know, it's inconvenient. Sure, there's no doubt about that. I do not enjoy wearing a mask, but you damn well better believe I'm gonna wear one. You know, especially when it's when it's required of me, Absolutely. you know, because I, you know, it's not it's not too much of an ask to to give a crap about the people around you. <laughs> and and for some people, that's enormous. And I don't know why. And what you're doing is now you're you're hurting all the businesses because now they can't find people to work there. And I don't care if you believe that it's all fake or this, that and the other. And like, I'll humor you say it is. But these are rules. All right. And we follow these rules because we have to. Yeah. And I happen to believe that it's all very effing real. <laughs> and and I want people to, to, you know, to just be considerate to people because like you don't even know if your if your server is believes the same thing you do. Right. But they're doing their job, okay? Yeah, they're just you know? up, they're just trying to make a living to support themselves or their family or, right. or, or whoever. But um, And now they don't feel like this is a viable industry. And yeah. and I think that now a lot of employers, a lot of business owners are struggling to find people to work there. And I think that that shows. I mean, like the level of competitiveness that you see, you know, in, in not just this city, but other cities, like 
uh, restaurants are having to, to like institute signing bonuses and stuff like that. Not all of them can. And, and it's one of those things where you're like, you know, you're hurting your favorite establishments by doing this. Yeah. And, and, and that it, it's, it breaks my heart because this, this is a good industry and it's fun and it's, and it's a great way to, to make money. Um, you know, there's, there's people who rely on this and now none of them, you know, they're, they're scared to come back. And even if those horrible experiences didn't happen, there's still the strain of not knowing when you were able to go back to work. And then you have to wonder, do I have skill sets if this happens again to keep myself employed and right. move forward? So yeah, a lot of people are, are gone from the industry. And so a lot of people are struggling to find work or to find uh, empl- or, uh, staff. Yeah, and so, so like a double-edged sword. You know, the people, the establishments can't find people to work and the people that used to work here don't know if they have the skills to get a job outside of what they're doing here. The, depending on whether or not they, they have a background in yeah. anything else. Or even just people who do have another job. And this was their, their, their fun money. Now they don't have fun money. It's it's a it, it it's been a crazy year, and you and you see it everywhere. And like I'm not trying to like come down on people. Like I love everybody. I just want everyone to do the same. Yeah. Like I've just never seen so much divide actually play into everyday life, because like people had differing opinions before, right? And then you see it uh, now where it's actually like affecting whether or not they'll come to a place, whether or not they'll you know go to another place, you right. know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's wild. It really is because like we, we take for granted, like just being like, I'm going to my favorite bar and you didn't think another thought after that point outside of what you were going to order. You know what I mean? And it's like, now you have to think about that stuff or some people do. I don't know. Not everyone does, I guess. It's one of those things that's, that's uh, really stressful, but you know, I also have to be empathetic to those, the, you know, outbursts. You, you got to think, you know, during COVID there was people who went home and went stir crazy. Think about like, say like an extroverted person who was living alone. Right. And they got furloughed and they're stuck at home. Like that's gotta be hell. <laughs> you got people who, while everyone else is, you know, furloughed, working their butts off, maybe even more hours, mm-hmm. you know, to try and keep things together, to make sure that there's a job to come back to uh, for those who did get furloughed. Yeah. And how much pressure that, that was put on them by either themselves or the company or whatever. And, or just like, you know, their own noble uh, mentality of sorts. And you gotta think about that and you gotta think about how many people, you know, are stressed about that. And that might explain some of the outbursts. And you have to think, are we paying enough attention to uh, mental health as a society after all this happened? Like, is everybody okay? Yeah. Like, heck, I I went through my own, uh, like kind of mental crisis during all this too. You know, and I'm happy to say, like I even sought help yeah. Um, but that can get expensive, you know? Right. Yeah. And so it's Nothing's one of the, free. Right, right. <laughs> and, and so I know, I know there's some resources outside of just like the paid ones. You know, I do encourage people to, to, to seek that out because like it's subtle sometimes how, how you can see, you know, like, like the symptoms of, of your stress. Anxiety, depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that like there's going to be, a, there's got to be like a, uh, a secondary pandemic of, of mental well-being. Right. And, and I think that that can affect anyone, no matter how well-adjusted you are. If there's anything that people can take away from this is, uh, this, is uh, this has been an incredibly trying year for, I would say, damn near everybody in the entire world. Yeah. And, uh, you know, take care of yourselves. You know, take care of your neighbors. Make sure everybody's okay. Give people a call you haven't seen in a while just to make sure they're all right. And it, it might make all the difference in their life. So yeah, I would say absolutely think about 
Think about your what, neighbor. Yeah, but, and, and think about what happened to you during all this, and then think about what happened to your neighbor. Yeah. yeah. I would say. Well, now it's time for our one more beer segment. So you're leaving. You're leaving the west side. You're moving yep. off. You're moving out. Where are you going? South Carolina? Uh, Asheville, North Carolina. North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So you got a new opportunity. It's exciting. Um, what? So it's like two part question. Number one, what is it? What do you see for West Side Brewing in the future? The people that you're leaving here, the company, it's gone through a crazy development over the last year, adapting. Where? What do you see from um, from them going forward? What do you? I guess. I guess. What do you say? Is like, what's your? You know, what do you wish for them? What do you see for them? What is? What has Westside Brewing meant to you in the last year and a half? Oh, Westside Brewing has been. Um, it has been one of the most uh, beneficial uh, learning opportunities of my life. I think that uh, being thrown into this new uh, new version of the field I was working in um, really taught me a lot about what this side of things can go through, you know, and how hard it can be and how, you know, and what kind of new skills you need to, uh, handle a thing like this. And it really opens your eyes up to, you know, what it's like for every one of these startups. And to me, Westside Brewing has been, uh, you know, an absolute gift, uh, in my personal development. And I, and also I think to the community at large, like even like Sometimes we would even get like words of encouragement from from those around us. The support of this community uh, during during all this to us, like as right. as a company, was was humbling, and and it shows how much it means um, uh, to the area, to the city. Well, you grew up on the west side. I did. Yeah, I mean, the west side people. You know, you I can't go to a grocery store without seeing somebody I knew, and mm-hmm. like it's just such a close knit community. It's one of those things where people are like, I don't like well, east siders. Like I don't understand the west side. Like I feel like you gotta. You gotta be here and understand this place before you really. Yeah, and I don't even think it takes that long. I think if you were here on the west side for six months, you would understand what's special. Yeah. Um, and 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 it and it really is. It's it's been it's been a wonderful experience of you know the people who work here. I've been blessed to work with some amazing folk. Also the community, like like some of the best regulars in the city, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Um, really kind, caring people, and they want to get to know you. They want to they want to be a part of it. You know, they really do. Yeah. And some of them even offer to try and invest in because they just love it that much. So for me, Westside has been a really cool experience to see how important the effect of just something like this, a congregate place, mm-hmm. like like the tap room, the events that we do, all that stuff, what it means to an, a community. And that just shows you how important small business is and what it can do to turn around in a neighborhood. Uh, not just us. There's wonderful companies all around us, like, like Ivory House, Nation. Hanky Winery uh, coming soon. I don't even. They might even be open. <laughs> I've just been so busy. Um, uh, Wondercade. There's another uh, 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 like uh, game-based place right next to it. I can't remember their name. Uh, sorry, Max. Um, he's one of the owners of the next of that other place. But like, no, it's 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 every couple feet. Uh, we have neighbors uh, who run a wonderful kitchen. There's the you know all this stuff, and like all of us have have been a part of a movement of Westwood growing, and that's just to name a few. The list goes on and to see how much it it, it impacts yeah. um, uh, it truly you know kind of reinforces my mindset on being a part of something like this right. which, which also I guess to to put it in like what I what I 
4C for Westside, I, I see amazing things. I think that um, there's been a lot of uh, changes uh, fundamentally on the way that they go. Um, I think they, they hired a wonderful person to replace my position. Um, I think the people in the positions that they're at now are wonderful. I think that uh, a lot of uh, hurdles have been overcome. And I think that uh, you'll see West Westside uh, brewing more and more throughout the years. That actually, the community and all the other stuff about what Westside meant to me, um, kind of is a good segue into what I'm doing next. Yeah. Um, I got an opportunity to uh, be a part of a team opening up a restaurant in um, uh, in North Carolina, and uh, hopefully that leads to more and more. Uh, in Asheville, like, I got to see what that area is like. Um, uh, you know, the wonderful people out there, and uh, and the people I'm going to be working for are an absolute, absolutely you know, amazing group that, that can humble me with how dedicated they are, how um, experienced they are and well-organized. It just makes you, you know, excited for that next step. For me, it was, it was a big moment for my family. And I hope that, uh, you know, this is a, you know, what I believe it to be a great move uh, for us. Um, and I think it'd be a great place for my son to grow up in. And, uh, and yeah, no, I, I have nothing but the, uh, the utmost excitement of seeing the impact of this establishment right. on the community that we're, uh, you know, going to be operating in. What are you going to miss the most about Cincinnati? Not just oh, the people. The people. The people. Not the skyline. Not the the roses. Uh, the you're going to get me canceled. Uh, I'm not the biggest skyline <laughs> fan. Oh my god! I know. I, 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 I don't <laughs> don't dislike skyline at all. Um, I think skyline dip is one of my favorite dips in the entire world there's nothing yeah. that really beats skyline dip for me but i don't hearken the cravings or anything besides that as bad as really? a lot of cincinnati like, i'm never gonna i'm never gonna be able to come back to the city <laughs> after that <laughs> well man uh, we're gonna miss you dude i appreciate you coming yeah. on here and taking your time and you know don't be a stranger you, yeah. you, when do you leave you soon like, uh, soon? like a week or so yeah by the end of this week yeah yeah really mm -hmm. wow yeah, it's coming, man. There's a lot to do out there. I know. Well, yeah. I don't want to take any more of your time, but uh, thanks again. No, it was my pleasure. I hope that, uh, you know, I hope that someone finds something interesting in right. this. Right. <laughs> and, and what Nick said, tip your bartenders. Take care of your take, neighbors. Take care of your staff. And don't forget about the people who you don't see, like the kitchen workers, the, the brewers behind the scenes, the, you know, the people who, you know, who are making the magic happen. Right. Um, like, you know, it, it's... It's a tough grind, and the people who do it do it because they love it. And uh, yeah, I mean, we're all we're all in this together. Just <laughs> let's let's start focusing on having a good time. Hell yeah! Right. All right, man. Well, as always, you can find our episodes on Facebook, Instagram. We upload our website every single week. You can find and listen to our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. No problem. All right. Until next time, guys. See ya.